Good afternoon, I'm Leon Davis, and it is 2 p.m. Central Time on May the 2nd, 2020, and you have joined um, Altitude Adjustment, the, pod- the weekly podcast that is um, covers people, politics, and professions. It is a balmy 84 degrees in St. Louis, a lot of sunshine and blue skies, and I thank you very much for joining me this afternoon. Today, I want to talk about um, vote by mail. What had happened uh, because of what, what we're experiencing in our country, the topic has been coming more and more um, visible. And I didn't, I have never voted by mail, and I've never talked to or been around anyone that has voted by mail. And so I, I went looking to determine, uh, you know, or to, to verify my. Um, perception of it or misperceptions and I'm going to share with you what I have learned. Welcome to Altitude Adjustment. Again, it's great to have you with me this afternoon. So my sinus is starting to behave weirdly. Uh, as I mentioned, it's a balmy 84 in St. Louis, and it's probably it's going to be a little warm in here. But um, so so this week I went searching and tr- to try to understand vote by mail. So let me first start with a little history. Um, my my research showed that most of the sites that I visited conflated together mail in mail by uh, vote by mail and absentee ballot. Now, there's a slight difference between the two. While both of them are um, returned, uh, so you, you can vote at home. You don't have to be in person. Um, and you can return the ballot by mail. Now, there are three forms of, currently, there are three forms of participation in the voting process. The first is vote in person on Election Day. The second is vote in person prior to Election Day, also known as early voting. And third is vote by mail. Now, the vote by mail includes, as I mentioned, absentee ballots and mail-in ballots. And uh, I explained to you a little bit differently the 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 difference between the two. Absentee ballots um, were traditionally reserved for people out of the country or, or away from their home polling place, or had a medical reason that they could not get to the poll. And mail-in ballots um, are now becoming the third um, category um, as mail-in ballots and absentee ballots are combined in some states, where some states have eliminated the requirements to be out of town or the country or to have a medical reason in order to vote by mail. So absentee balloting uh, actually started during the Civil War. Both Union and Confederate soldiers were given the opportunity to cast ballots from their respective battle units, battlefield units, and to have them counted back home. Now, the second milestone came during World War II when Congress passed laws in 1942 and 1944 related to soldiers stationed overseas. Both laws were embroiled in controversies over states' rights and the voting rights of African-Americans in Southern states. 
I'm not going to go down that path, uh, but just know that um, the history of voting by mail has been tumultuous in this country as it is today. Uh, I'm not going to specifically, um, well, I'll, I'll go a little further and then, and then I'll make um, better uh, some other assessments. So the Uniform and Overseas Citizens Absentee Voting Act and the Military and Overseas Voter Empowerment Act were both enacted by Congress in 1986. It requires that the states and territories allow certain groups of citizens to register and vote absentee in elections for federal officers. Now, they both covered members of the United States, uniformed services, merchant marine, their family members, and United States citizens residing outside the United States. Um, states began passing absentee ballot laws for civilians in the late 1800s. Now, originally, as I mentioned, you could only vote absentee ballot if you were out of the country or had a medical reason um, that you could not make it to the polls. Then in the 1980s, California became the first state to allow absentee ballot voting uh, for any reason. So by 2018, 27 states had adopted a no excuse absentee uh, laws. So let me give you a few of the statistics, and this is going to be a, a relatively short show today. Um, because that, I, there's not a lot to cover about this topic, but it is an important topic, especially considering what we've been going through. Um, it is important that citizens be able to continue to participate in the um, legislative or in the um, election process to, to ensure that, that we're picking those individuals that are going to represent us and do what we need for them to accomplish in order for the union to work. Now, some of the statistics, um, the U.S. Election Assistance Commission, or EAC, was established by the Help America Vote Act, HABA, H-A-B-A, of 2002. Now, the EAC is an independent, bipartisan commission. It is charged with developing guidance to meet HABA requirements and adopting voluntary voting system guidelines. It serves as a national clearinghouse of information on election administration. Now, the EAC also accredits testing laboratories and certifies voting systems, as well as audits the use of HAVA funds. There are four EAC commissioners, and they're appointed by the president and confirmed by the U.S. Senate. From a 2018 voluntary EAC survey, it states that 26% of voters in no-excuse states cast their ballots by mail, compared to only 9% in states that still require an excuse. 68% of voters in states with permanent absentee laws voted with an absentee ballot. 68, I'm going to repeat that because I'll make sure I, I put the right inflection in the right places. 68% of voters in states with permanent absentee laws, voted with an absentee ballot. In 1998, uh, Oregon had a referendum and agreed to issue all of its ballots by mail. 
Washington did so in 2011, and Colorado did so in 2013. In a survey in 2016 of the performance of American elections showed that 73% of voters in Colorado, 59% in Oregon, and 65% in Washington returned their ballots to some physical location, such as a drop box or uh, a local election office. Even among those who returned their ballots by mail in those states, 47% dropped off their ballots at a U.S. post office or neighborhood mailbox rather than having their own postal worker pick it up at their home. So with with voting by the the traditional method of voting being in person, there are definitely some concerns that are associated with vote by mail. And so I'm going to address, there were actually just basically two. Um, three, if you want to count um, voter turnout. And that seems to be the talking point um, that's most floated about vote by mail um, in the current discussion. So there were several or a couple of studies done, small studies, um, and they weren't able to come up with a conclusive, conclusive evidence about um, increase or increase or decrease in voter turnout. And the study came up with the safest conclusion was to, to draw um, about extending vote by mail options, increases voter turnout modestly in midterm and presidential elections, but may increase turnout more in the primaries and local elections and special elections. Now, the modest increase likely comes in about two, in one of two ways. It brings marginal voters into the electorate and by retaining voters who might otherwise drop out of the electorate. And what we know is that um, many times voters um, aren't consistent with voting and we've seen that um, play out in in the presidential election specifically in uh, 2008 versus 2012 versus 2016 um, there was a, a, a large fluctuation um, my understanding is that the majority of the time um, voter turnout is about 30 percent of registered voters um, at, at, you know, in any election. Um, and so, so they weren't able to conclusively determine if vote by mail impacted that significantly. Um, <clears throat> another concern about vote by mail is that because the ballot is cast outside the public eye, meaning that, um, the ballot has been, um, completed not at a polling place or not with a polling official um, observing the person's behavior, the concern is that um, the opportunities for coercion and voter impress impersonation are greater, that, that someone is going to um, put pressure on someone to vote a certain way um, and or 
uh, fill out an, a, a voter registration form or a voter um, ballot for someone um, inappropriately. And there are, I ran across a couple of, um, I want to say stories, um, a couple of articles regarding um, voter fraud um, and at one polling place, and this was this was years back, uh, one polling place, um, people were buying votes. They were offering people money to to vote a certain way as they were going into the. And this was in person in in person voting. This wasn't um, identified as uh, mail in ballots, and and so it may be more difficult to identify those those situations with mail-in ballots because unless you're when the when the person so there's no observer there there's no one to see that that person is um voting without you know without some form of pressure without some form of enticement to vote um one way or another so so that is you know one of the major concerns in the past 20 years about 250 million votes that have been cast by mail nationally. Now there are about, there have been about 204 cases of fraud um, involving the use of absentee ballots, ballots, which resulted in 143 criminal convictions. Now the most noted case of voter fraud regarding voting by mail was in 2018 in North Carolina's ninth congressional district as a political campaign manager um, defrauded voters by collecting unfilled ballots and then filled them in in favor of the campaign's candidate. And that led to a new election. Um, so, uh, so there is no, there, no voting system. However, you decide to implement voting, whether in person, um, or by mail, or online, or or what other avenues that you have chosen, no no system is going to be one hundred percent fraud proof. Um, all political systems and man made systems operate based on the integrity, honesty, and commitment of people that design, implement, and participate in those systems. Now, because some people choose to color outside the lines, and that's my choice of words, there is no reason to not pursue making society better by building systems that help include everyone's participation in our self-governance. Now, while unrestricted vote by mail can be an enticement for time-strapped adults to participate in our democracy, I don't believe it should be the driving paradigm. Voting is not just a privilege or a right, it is a responsibility. And until citizens recognize their responsibility, no system should be implemented with the intent to increase participation. When people recognize their responsibility to participate in our political discourse, they will spend more time and energy ensuring a better outcome and not just vote because it is convenient or inconvenient. There are many people in our society that have 
braved their own personal challenges of time and resources and opportunities to ensure a better union by voting however they could. Voting by mail will be alleviating some of the hurdles that these people have faced and is a payment for services rendered. So hopefully um, you will look into this uh, and support vote by mail in your area. Um, I have listened to some of the arguments counter to uh, vote by mail. I don't know if I've heard them all, but I'm interested in hearing from someone who disagrees with vote by mail. Um, If you have any comments, please share those with me because, um, as I said, I'm developing, while I, I believe that vote by mail should exist, I am developing my um, idea on the subject. Right now, I am fully in the corner of vote by mail. I don't see um, where we should um, negate that. Also, um, I'd like to see some electronic form of voting at home. Um, so there are a lot of, some of the ways that I was thinking that we could help implement a more secure vote by mail or, or electronic voting is that um, there are, whilst we've seen a lot of security breaches with technology, um, there are still um, ways that to thwart your casual uh, security thief. Um, most of the, I want to say, and I want to be careful when I say this, um, a lot of the security breaches are by professional security uh, hackers. They're not by uh, your casual everyday computer user or even just your average everyday computer programmer um, who has a more active knowledge of the implementation of the technology that they're writing uh, programs for. So, so there is a way to move forward and protect the integrity of alternate voting processes and that we don't have to um, always be so afraid or so intimidated by uh, the possibilities that things may go awry um, that will uh, cause us to become uh, lethargic or uh, paralyzed um, by the concept of you know things uh, happening in a negative way. Um, so, so hopefully we will move forward on some of these and. Um, implement those and again I, I don't think it would be the best to implement it just to increase voter turnout just to increase voter participation I think that it's important that um, that we do that to make voting easier for the people who are already dedicated to voting and so I'm going to uh, going to finish up at this particular point. I want to thank you very much for joining me this afternoon. Um, I will be back next week.
So please come back and join me. That concludes this episode, and thank you for listening. This podcast is designed for live listener interaction. Visit the website, thelionsdenstl.wixsite.com home for details about how to join the conversation. The video version of Altitude Adjustment is available on YouTube. Search for Lions Den STL. And the audio podcast is available on Stitcher.com, Anchor.fm, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Look for Altitude Adjustment where you get your podcast and consider making a contribution by visiting anchor.fm slash altitude-adjustment2. Remember, the internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. So please like, share, and comment on this and other episodes because it matters. As always, be cool, be calm, and above all, be careful. Look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you.